You will not be a strong Christian if you're not in the Word of God. And yet so few Christians are in the Word of God. One reason that we're not in the Word of God, frankly, is because we don't enjoy it. And the reason we don't enjoy it is because most of the time when we read the Bible, we don't know what's going on. One of the greatest things that can happen to you would be if you could come to the place. It would be a great goal for 2020, and it's not too late to set goals for the year. It'd be a great goal for you for 2020 to write out the names of all 66 books of the Bible. You know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all the way to Revelation. And come to the place where you can give a one-sentence explanation of what's going on in each book. Genesis, as simple as this, Genesis, how things began. You know that the word Genesis means beginning. And Genesis is called the book of beginnings. And even if all you wrote is the book of beginnings, that would be a great place to start. And a simple explanation like that for all 66 books so that you could open up your Bible anywhere and as you begin reading and saying, oh, man, I have no clue what's going on here, you can at least be reminded, oh, yeah, let's go back and see what, what the explanation is for what's going on in this book. And be, begin to read it with context. I'll tell you what will absolutely transform your life for Christ is when you fall in love with a particular book of the Bible. When God opens your eyes, for example, and all of a sudden you're fascinated by the Gospel of John, or all of a sudden you're fascinated by the book of Psalms, it really doesn't matter what book, it's all the Word of God, but if God were to open your eyes and you were to become fascinated with some book of the Bible, once you get a taste of it, you won't go back. And so... What we've begun to do is several weeks ago, I've started you on a walk through the epistles. The epistles are specifically the books that are to the church age. We live in the church age. It began when God sent his spirit at Pentecost. It will end when uh, the, the Lord comes back and takes us out at the rapture. This is the church age. And the epistles are specifically written to the church age. Now, the whole Bible is for you. There's not any part of the Bible that is not for you. But the epistles were specifically written to you as a Christian. There are 21 of them. And we began several weeks ago to learn the basics of each epistle. We've covered Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And now we come to the book of Galatians. And they get... A little easier to cover in one Sunday morning message because previously it was 16 chapters, 16 chapters, 13 chapters, and now it begins to be six chapters, six chapters, four chapters, and so forth until we get to Hebrews. But uh, that Hebrews is the only super long one left, so it's a little easier to cover on a Sunday morning. The outline of this is on the back of your, uh, on the back of your bulletin, and you can follow along. The book of Galatians. The theme is justified by the faith of Christ. The reason there is a picture of a balancing scale on the screen is because that is, in my mind, the best illustration of what it means to be 
justified. There's a song that was probably written 60, 70 years ago that says God held a great glowing balance and uh, one side was waiting for me and I don't remember all the other uh, lyrics but it goes on to talk about how uh, my sins were on one side of the scale and completely weighted down and nothing I could do could even it until Jesus, but Jesus stepped in and did what I could not do and he made up for my sin and the song goes on to say justified I'm happy in Jesus today the sins I've committed are all in in uh, the past they'll never condemn me for he holds me fast to be justified means to be completely right in the sight of God that's not the most technical definition but that's what it means it means that you are right with God and you will stay right with God because you are in Jesus Christ And that's why the scales are there next to the theme, justified by the faith of Christ. The phrase, the faith of Christ, you you, you might say, well, how come that should say faith in Christ? Well, we're taking a Bible phrase, which comes from the key verse, which is Galatians 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by the faith of of Christ and not by the works of the law for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified so even though we would more commonly use the phrase faith in Jesus Christ he's talking about faith in Christ as a concept the faith of Jesus Christ and he is contrasting the faith of Jesus Christ with the works of the law listen carefully folks Unfortunately, a large percentage of people out there that call themselves Christians, and a lot of people in America do, call themselves Christians, but far too many of them are still counting on the works of the law instead of the faith of Jesus Christ. Nobody is going to heaven because they keep the works of the law. We are going to heaven only because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the way God has made it. The only way you get to heaven is by faith in Jesus Christ. And so the theme of Galatians is justified by the faith of Christ. I've told you this about each epistle we've looked at, that it is helpful for you to have a a simple outline of any Bible book. In other words, chapters 1 through, my favorite example of a simple outline is the book of Daniel. Daniel chapters 1 through 6, the, the life of Daniel or the events of Daniel in, in uh, Babylon, and chapters 7 through 12, the visions of Daniel in Babylon. That's not word for word, but those are the concepts uh, that I've got written in my notes to understand what's going on in the book of Daniel, breaks it down. Chapters 1 through 6, you're going to read stories, true stories, but stories. Chapters 7 through 12, you're going to read the experiences of, of, of the visions that Daniel had. And so much of what we know about the future is given to us in chapter 7 through 12. That is a simple outline. And it is helpful, unless a book is extremely short. There are several, there are five books actually in the Bible that are so short that they're not even divided into chapters. 
But uh, just about every other book is long enough that you can break it down into chapters 1 through 4 or this, chapters 5 through 8 or that. And that's a simple outline, an overview of that book so that when you go to read that book, you have a general idea of what's going on. So here's your simple outline of Galatians. Chapters 1 through 1 and 2, the past. Paul's history with the gospel. And he basically gives his testimony in the first two chapters. Chapters 3 and 4, the present. The people's departure from grace. And then chapters 5 and 6, the future. The liberty of walking in the Spirit. Now, we're going to go chapter by chapter quickly, just as, we, as we've done with the other books, and so we won't be very long. But I want you to understand something. First of all, the book of Romans, of course, was addressing the Christians in the city of Rome. The books of First and Second Corinthians were addressing Christians in the church in the city of Corinth. But there is no city of Galatia. Galatia is a region. And so the book of Galatians was written to the churches in the region of Galatia. It wasn't just to one church. Because here's what had happened. Paul had traveled through the region of Galatia in one of his journeys. And he had gone and led people to Christ, just like he always did, led people to Christ. And they formed a church. And then after that church was stable, he would go to the next city, win people to Christ, form a church, and keep on going and going. After Paul had gone to the churches in the region of Galatia, some false teachers came in. And here's what they were teaching. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine what Paul is teaching you, that you're saved by grace through faith. But um, you still have to keep the works of the law to stay saved. And so people who had been delivered from keeping the law of Moses, not, not keeping it, we still live by the, the basic tenets of the law, but their relationship with the law changed once you put your faith in Jesus Christ. They were still, because of the false teachers now, holding on to their fear, they were still captive to the law because false teachers had come into churches that Paul had started and led them astray. Well, Paul gets word of it, and he wants to set it straight. And that's why you will find that the book of Galatians is a very scolding book, but not like 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is scolding a lot of their actions. Galatians is scolding them for their heart in their willingness to be led astray by false teachers. Did you know that there's a lot of false teachers in the world today? There is a lot of crazy, unscriptural things being taught in the name of Jesus Christ today? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be led astray. And you can say, Pastor, how do we know you're not a crazy false teacher? 
This is how you know whether or not I'm a crazy false teacher. When, and so the truth is you can't know if you don't know this book. If you don't know this book, you're at my mercy. But you're also at the mercy of everybody else there out there who's preaching the word of God. I am bound to preach. And, and I say bound, I, I have, I'm happy to preach. It's not like, oh, I wish I could preach that, but it's against the Bible, so I can't. I don't mean that. I mean my preaching and teaching is defined by the boundaries of this book, and happily so, because I don't want or need anything else. But, there, man, there's so much false teaching out there, and the only way that you're going to be sure not to get sucked in by it is to make sure you know this book. So, these false teachers had come through the region. They'd gone to the churches that Paul had started, which in itself is a total weasel move. Listen, if you get a burden, <coughs> you say, I'm really burdened to go to the town. I'm trying to think of a town where nobody here lives, and I probably can't. Uh, let's, let's say uh, um, uh, Kingston. Nobody here lives in Kingston, right? Oh, Kingston, New York. All right, good. Um, I got a burden for the city of Kingston. Let me tell you what to do. Let me tell you what not to do. Don't go there and find a church and sort of ease your way into the church and then start teaching what you believe that is different from what they teach, even if what you believe is true and what they teach is false. Why? Because you didn't, you didn't build that congregation. You didn't build that building. You, you didn't invest your life in that. You say, but yeah, but they're teaching false doctrine, which they have a right to. I have no more right to go in there and try to change that church from the inside when I didn't build it and when they didn't in, in, invite me than I do to go to Home Depot and turn it into a New Testament Baptist church. They built that building. They, they started that organization to sell hardware. I'm going to go in there and say, you're not doing this scripturally. We're going to go to all the employees and say, uh, listen, I know you're stocking shelves, but you ought to be passing out tracks. Let me tell you what you need to do. i got no right to do that, and you know I've got no right to do that. I also have no right to go to the city of Kingston and find an existing church in there and go in and try to overturn that church. you got a burden for Kingston. God's called you to go reach Kingston. Go knock on doors yourself. Go pass out tracts yourself. You go find a meeting place. You go get that place insured. You go find the chairs. You go get a build a pulpit or whatever, a chair that you're going to sit in. And you go get a PA and you go get a piano. You go do that work and preach your message. These weasels came in behind what Paul, Paul had already done the hard work. He already had the scars to show for starting those churches. And after he left, they would creep in, as Paul says in a different place, creep in unawares and say, oh, this is a nice church you have here. Could we, oh, good, can we worship with you? Good. And then after they, they got inside, they, um, you know, I, I'm sure this Paul man is a nice fellow, but uh, there's some things that he's saying that are not quite true. And they, he led them down a path into absolutely false doctrine. 
So Paul has to write this letter to all the churches in the region to get them back on track. And as, listen, as much as he scolded the church at Corinth, the language is meaner in, Gal- in Galatians than any other book that Paul wrote. Paul said, in chapter 1, he said, if anybody preaches any gospel besides the gospel um preaching. Let him be accursed. Do I have to spell out for you what accursed means? Let him be accursed. And he said, in case you missed it, let me say it again. If I or an angel of heaven or anybody else preaches any message besides the gospel of Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. In another place, he doesn't use the word knuckleheads, but he basically says to the people in Galatia, what kind of knuckleheads are you that you, you changed your whole life to follow Christ? And now these weasels come in and you're changing your, your faith because of them. Paul uses some pretty harsh language and scolds them pretty heartily in the book of Galatians. So let's walk through the book. I gave you the simple outline. Let's go chapter by chapter very quickly. Galatians chapter 1, Paul is introduced to the gospel. The key verses, verses 11 and 12. He's giving his salvation testimony. He says, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which is preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul, as you know, was saved as a result of seeing Jesus on the road to Damascus. But then later, God set him aside in the desert and gave him one-on-one instruction in the gospel message. So he got it straight from God. And that's what he's saying here in chapter 1. Chapter 2, Paul proceeds in the gospel. So he didn't just get introduced to the gospel and get saved. He continued in the gospel. And he talks about how... When he met up, and and he had respect for Peter and the other apostles, but when he met up with them, he talks of a time where Peter was talking about his faith in Jesus Christ and his freedom from the law, and nobody tells him what to do because he's free through Jesus Christ. But then when some Jewish religious leaders came through, All of a sudden, he sat up straight, and he wouldn't sit at the same table with the Gentiles anymore. And Paul saw that, and he said, I told Peter, that's not right. You talk about liberty, but when the the, the, uh, critics come through, through, all of a sudden, you won't sit with the Gentiles anymore. You're still in the bondage of the law. And so he talks about that in chapter 2. Chapter 3, the basics of faith. Oh, I didn't give you the key verse of chapter 2. Verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. There's a, there's a concept you ought to ponder every day for about three years. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 3, the basics of faith. The key verse is verse number 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Chapter 4, redemption from the law. 
The key verse is verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth the Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons, redemption from the law. So he's confirming with them, and a lot of his scolding is in chapters 3 and 4. He's confirming with them salvation by faith, through, uh, by grace through faith, and that you have been redeemed from the law. You're not in bondage to the law. You don't have to keep the law of Moses to keep your salvation. Those things are past. It's over. You're done. You now have liberty in the spirit. <coughs> Chapters 5 and 6, we go to the future. In other words, going forward. Chapter 5, the power of faith that works by love. Key verse, verse number 6. In, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Now, why? and the key verse in chapter 6 also mentions circumcision. Why? Because that was the, <coughs> the Jewish right that was in dispute here. And the dispute was, do we still have to follow this right? That was the main thing here. Do we still have to follow this Jewish ritual, this Jewish rite, even though we've been set free? And Paul's point was, no. In Christ, it doesn't matter whether you have followed this rite or whether you have not. What matters in Christ is faith which works by love. Chapter 6, the power of the new creature. And the key verse is verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. If you were paying attention, you notice that both of those verses, very similar, similar in structure, similar in wording. So that is the book of Galatians. That went a lot faster than First and Second Corinthians, didn't it? Let's, let me give you some takeaways. We're all done. First of all, and by the way, the richness of this book is so great that to try to summarize it in uh, a 20-minute message or 25 or 30 or wherever we're at is, is futile. You really need to take this book and read it and let this outline guide you and find out the depth of truth and the depth of doctrine that is found in this book. But let me give you three quick takeaways. Number one, we are dead to sin and self through the cross so that Christ can live through us. Here's a concept most Christians don't believe, therefore, or maybe I'm not saying they don't believe it, they don't understand it. And therefore, they don't access the power that is found in this concept. You and I are dead through the cross. That's why Paul said, I die daily. I go back to the cross and I confirm again, I'm dead to sin through the cross. You visit the cross. That's why Fanny Crosby wrote, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain. Why? To, to stay saved? No. To find the victory that is in the cross and only in the cross of Jesus Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Read Matthew 27. Read Mark 15. Read Luke 23. Read John 19. These are the four accounts of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ in the Bible. And as you read them, realize that's where my sin nature died. That is where I died with Christ and just confirmed to the Lord. 
as Romans 6 says, reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Lord, again today, I am dead with you because of the cross. Let Christ live through me. That's as simple as that, but it's got to be done with your heart. It's not just words that you pray. From your heart, visit the cross and realize you are dead to sin and Jesus lives through you. Second takeaway today, be careful that everything that influences you lines up with Scripture. Paul, at one point in this, in this book, asked the people in the churches of Galatia, Who hath bewitched you? Who? See, when you're drawn into false doctrine, there's always a who involved. You find yourself saying things and thinking things that you never thought before. Asking your, ask yourself, who's been influencing me lately? Who have, who have I been reading that I wasn't reading before? Who have I had a, a, uh, taken a liking to that has been influencing me that, that I wasn't listening to before? There's always a who involved when you drift into false teaching and false ideas. Third takeaway this morning, it is essential that you learn what it means to walk in the Spirit. Now, that's not new ground for any of us. I talk about it all the time. But the reason I bring it up here is because Galatians 5 and 6 uh, chapter 5 especially, are one of the key passages in the Bible about walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5 gives us the contrast of what it's like when you walk in the flesh versus what it's like when you walk in the Spirit. I'm telling you, if you don't learn to walk in the Spirit, there will come a day when you will say, as others have said, well, this Christianity isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And the problem will be that you never made yourself learn what it means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered, Spirit-controlled, because you are relying on the Spirit of God and not the power of your own flesh. The book of Galatians, justified by the faith of Christ. I beg you this week, this one's shorter. You could do a chapter a day. Take it. Swim in it. Let it stay with you. Memorize a verse or two in the book of Galatians that you can meditate on and quote it over and over again in your mind. We are not going to make it in this corrupt. Listen, am I concerned about the coronavirus? Yes, we talked about it. Yes, obviously, I'm taking steps that, that uh, I've announced, but I'm far more concerned about the carnality and the worldliness that is deadening Christians. So that we just want what God's handing, we just want the goodies that God's handing out. Make me rich, make me prosperous, make me healthy. Make all my dreams come true. And I don't have time for doctrine. I don't have time for the Bible. I don't have time to, to intercede for others. I don't have time to witness to people. But I want all, I want all those things that you're passing out. Get, can I get one? Give me two. It's killing Christianity, and therefore the world is dying spiritually all around us. I'm far more concerned about that. Get in the Bible. Get in Galatians this week and walk in the Spirit.